can truly, surely, woo a sigh of relief that 2022 is in the rear view mirror. There was the untimely death of my father and my gangster sister's health crisis and all of us getting COVID and we didn't die. I am here as a testimony to the survival and thriving. No excuses and no patience for pity parties. I'm going to be talking about how to glow up as a podcaster or not. Good black news and words of encouragement and shade if you stupid. What I'm reading, the Dallas Cowboys and other things, football and sports, pop culture news, donkeys donking and side eye shenanigans. I like the part of the podcast where I talked about over 40 dating and other relationship issues. Quark's Bar, dedicated to podcasts, reality, TV recaps. Join me as I fuss and have a moment as I kick and stomp my way through the next iteration of my life. Join me for this rocking good time. And thank you for listening. My glow up, my glow up, my glow up is for real. Hi, and thank you guys for returning for another episode of Tim Froward's Reading. And this is Felicia Baxter recording from this side of Barton Avenue. You know, this past year has taught me many things. It has taught me that what I do and don't want to do where I want to go and don't want to go. I am excited about expanding my team to include a real production manager that will be responsible for in-house editing, marketing, um, and booking um, other guests, etc. Just basically solidifying and expanding my brand. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's one of those things that if you are really serious about what you're doing, you absolutely have to be about that life. And it does require a, a, a team to do these things. I've also have had some excitement because I've got to meet other indie podcasters in the game, but either they have um, experience with um, marketing or they don't have any experience with true uh, production and host booking and really expanding and making a profitable podcast. Because you may ask, why would you want to be involved with the indie podcast when you're trying to get yourself on the, on your feet. You would want to basically um, gain the skill set without having the experience. And people lie like George Santos. They show excitement and they like, let's go. And then when they get and try to do the job, they change their mind. They're like, hmm, I don't really want to do this. But I kind of like being your free hype man. I kind of like liking your post. I kind of like retweeting if I were on Twitter. But 
I don't really want to do that. So you basically are in the position where you have someone in your inner circle that is more like a leech instead of someone that's going to help you get your bag. And that's what I want to say. No, in this indie podcast game, it's not for the faint of heart. You have to stand out amongst millions of podcasts because people start podcasts, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions are started every year, but there are not a lot that survive. What I have seen that some podcasts that are not even all of that, they end up having success for a lot of reasons. Um, Either they are like that Slim Shady one from the Green Eye Bandits on Potomac Mill, um, Potomac Mills, uh, Real Housewives of Potomac. And as I always say this, they all have, they don't really live in Potomac and they all live in rented houses and have rented wardrobe, but that's neither here nor there. But they still have success and are making money on podcasting for a lot of reasons. A lot of that is sponsorships. You have to have someone in the know that can get the right eyes on your podcast or get you in the right meeting with people that can place you with those pot in the right in front of the right people and it takes a lot of hustling it takes doing your research knowing your your niche your genre and then going after that making and it is it does have to do with people that are going to consistently come back and listen to you that means you got to run a tight ship you can't half-ass it. You got to do the research. You got to be interesting. And you got to make it interesting for people that want to basically come and talk and continue to listen to your show. Even though I actually posted a job for just that, a podcast manager. Um, if anything, not. If I have, I won't hire these people to be podcast managers because they don't have the exact skill set that I need to be able to brand my podcast. But I'm interested in bringing them back, interviewing them, and seeing what their experiences are, not just in the whole hiring range, but if they would be interested in um, coming back and speaking about their um, experience and also getting exposure for their podcast. I mean, 2,000 listens per episode is great exposure, and it's also growing, but I think it can grow more if you have someone that's actually managing that at that aspect. Also, you don't need... Everyone can't go where you have to go. As I said, you don't need any free hype men. You don't actually have to have people that will gaslight you um, positive way, hype you up, a yes person, when they're really bringing nothing to your team and to your creativity except for anger. I operate very well off of being angry. Um, I increased my exposure with my blog and my my, um, social media presence and as well as with my podcast after a shady moment with a relative. And now 
I don't want to continue to operate on anger as the sole thing that actually is propelling me forward. I need to be able to continue to research, talk about, come up with these and tighten up my topics and my podcast, really honing why I want to increase it and making a product that is only insightful and funny, but you're going to continue to come back and support it. I need to make it attractive to advertisers. I got to get my hustle on. I need a sponsorship. I honestly believe that although I love my day job, do I want to continue to have to do that full time for the next five years? If I have to, yes, because I'm not going to be stupid and give up the bag that easily. But can I do this and create something and write in order to continue this, not just have it as a passion project, project, but actually have it pay for itself. How crazy would that be? And why wouldn't I want to pursue that? And anybody that can't roll with that vision and assist and have the skill set to really do or be that vision, you can't rock with me. I can't rock with you. And you're not going to suck up all of my emotional creativity for your own benefit because that's not fair to me and it it's not really fair to me and that's just being the selfish boss that I am I'm not going to have you in be entertained and uh in my glow and where I have to go and you contribute nothing to it. I don't need um emotional um parasites that those days are off I'm leaving those that kind of uh, energy in 2022. So what's going on in good black news? Well, this, the direct links to uh, black facts and because of them we can are in the extended podcast notes. So navigate to both blackfacts.com and because of them we can.com that highlights interesting facts and thing in history that we never learned in class. And contrary to the shenanigans that's happening on a national news, there's actually really good black news. And I'm glad I navigated here um, for this week's profile are Fawn Weaver and her husband uh, actually have bought um, the building that is owned by, of course, another black elite from Memphis, Tennessee, of all places. Fawn Weaver, formerly homeless, serial entrepreneur, um, they are blowing up in my great state of Tennessee. Um, I'm looking up to see, she's actually just one, Fawn has just crossed 100 million in sales. I'm hoping that she will break sister off with something. I'm interested in um, pursuing sponsorship or advertisement on my podcast through that company. But I am also excited about highlighting, but does it say who's her husband? Although great examples, who's her husband? Who's her husband? Keith Weaver. They actually are a good example of people 
black people learning the way, paving it, and continue to inspire others to do the same. And that's why I congratulate them as the outside of music, outside of sports, um, just black folks doing it and inspiring us all. Um, and it's so great to learn that we don't get highlights or positive highlight reels every day in this world. We have to go and pursue it ourselves. But big ups to Fawn and Keith Weaver of Uncle Nearest fame and uh, Black-owned banks. Capital Savings, 130 years old. How dope is that? So, so... I waited all freaking day and to come up with this bow. So at least the bills kick butt. That was the biggest story from a uh, from a, an entire week of tragic. Damar Hamlin woke up after taking a hit, suffering cordis um, commodus, which is basically if a athlete takes a hit at the wrong time during the repolarization of the heart, like if you think of the heartbeat as a um, electrical pulse, kind of on the downslope, if you hit the heart at the wrong time during that up or downslope, it can basically stop the heart and it, when it tries to reset itself, it basically just goes into quiver and there's no uh, blood flow. You can suffer significant brain damage or death. This young man, 24 years old, basically died on the field. He, but it was for the quick action of the trainers. Um, and the EMS staff that basically got his heart going again because when they got his heart going again, he wasn't breathing on his own and actually developed something called ARDS or acute respiratory distress syndrome where basically the um, lungs basically just go crazy. They're like, what the freak? <laughs> and so until that condition reverses itself, as they support his heart um, and they supported the blood flow to his brain, he was sedated and in the ICU on a ventilator. Then they started turning the ventilator down. They started turning the sedation down and the rest is history. He basically started communicating with his friends. He started um, coming back around and just being thankful. And it's this guy that is, a terror on the field he basically not only did he show his humanity everyone that responded to him showed their humanity i still have the impression of both teams kneeling on the field consoling each other and just praying that he recovers and he did it was like everybody in this country was absolutely pulling for him. And basically a time where people really don't care about each other and when people would rather use other people for selfish gain 
this was a time where people, there was a point of support for him, his family, and also for their charity. And it was a beautiful thing. Um, RG3, former uh, marquee uh, quarterback for the Deadskins at the time said, we should not be sharing on social media uh, the, the play and the, the footage from when he basically collapsed. Why can't we show the footage of the all the guys, both teams, trainers, coaches, kneeling on the field and praying for this young man? And that's what should, went viral, and it did. And in spite of everything negative that's going on in the world, that's the image I want people to remember. I'm sad that I waited till this late to talk about football um but as i said the the bills won against the patriots dallas cowboys is trash demar hamlin woke up from his coma and i'm very happy about that oh and i think we're still going to the playoffs um we just trash how you gonna win 26 lose 26 6 against the blasted dead skins i can't I just cannot. Further in this week of reading, I have re again restructured the format of my show. I'm getting back to why I actually started doing the show itself. And it was a way to entertain myself and also um, to protect myself from the outside of the armpit of Kentucky. And I've started and stopped many things. I mostly have been talking about newspaper articles and magazine articles that I've read that I found interesting, but I'm actually getting into back into books, um, especially this week. Um, I listen to other podcasts for inspiration of things that I uh, or how to include those things on my show. Maybe one day I'll get the black guy who tips or Dimitri L. Lucas when she stops gallivanting around the world. But they reposted or recast one of her shows um, where she interviews that she had as a guest, Bevy Smith. And I'm reading her Bevelations. And if anything, that shows you who she is. Um... Bevy Smith says, I'm a late bloomer. In fact, a friend of mine, you may have heard of Chris Rock. He once called me the most late blooming mofo he'd ever met. Now, some people might consider that snide or shade, but I revel in it. I'm 55 and I'm here in this curvy body as someone who has done the work, lived the life, walked the walk in these very high heels and therefore is qualified to testify in the church and in the court of law that it does, in fact, get greater later. She has had a very storybook career from Harlem, New York. Um, from fashion editor to uh, fashion sales director, Vibe Magazine, and then on in Rolling Stones before she ended up, actually she was on the first season of Harlem and got asked back for a second season, which is an urban show on, um, that's an Amazon original. 
And she is not necessarily Bevy from the hood, but she is definitely self-made. And that is what the whole deal is from her TED Talk, how she navigated this thing called life, how she wasn't stupid. She loved her six-figure incomes as being uh, an employer, and she maximized her time and branded herself along those lines. She liked got she liked being uh, invited to all of the games, including the Super Bowl. She liked, you know, growing into her greatness. I mean, who wouldn't? She's the type of person that attracts a lot of people because she's not going to dim her light. But you can't roll with her if you can't if you're going to also play or hate her. She basically has, it's like her book itself is an extended TED Talk. I mean, you can actually navigate to, again, to the podcast notes and view or view her, uh, the TED Talk in its entirety on YouTube. But just in general, I mean, how do you go from living in government housing to a life completely unheard of. She was employed. She walked away from a very lucrative job at Rolling Stone to be able to step into her greatness. She said one thing in the book that I thought was interesting. She actually interviewed for Rolling Stone as a means to see if she could get uh, Vibe Magazine to basically counter her offer. She recalls how she had before their time um, ideas to basically not just sell uh, conventional uh, fashion advertisements, but also to get you to utilize e-commerce or maximize e-commerce before that was even a thing back in the early 2000s. So she has a remedy and a recipe. And when she had a first breakdown, of course she had to do it in Milan because why wouldn't she? And she basically, through all of her triumphs and travails, she actually has been dropping the knowledge as far as what to do and what not to do in this thing called life because she's made some mistakes but again most of her mistakes have led into um, so many great things and she doesn't belabor it she just recognizes it and she keeps it pushing and one of the things that I've found very interesting is that how do you survive it all? You know, she basically says there's four steps. You have to be impeccable with your words. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. Ask for clarification. Always do your best. In other words, um, this allows you to basically walk away, even if it's whatever you're working on is not productive, you'll be able to walk away still feeling good because you know you've given your 110%. But you can't not not do the work. If you want a new life or you want, or 
if you want a really a life or even a semblance or a part of how her life one number one don't quit your day job until you can get you can um have another means to secure the bag so don't walk away because that could potentially be all the experience that you gained from that previous position really could be your blessing and it and, and it'll allow you to walk into your blessing if you want a new life you gotta work you gotta strategize you gotta do the work um strategizing and doing the work i believe are two different things because when i think of strategizing it's like a plan sometimes it's step by step but also you got to be fluid enough to be able to change the plan if if your goals change or if the means those means change so you got to be very flexible but you can't just continue to dream and plan and strategize. You got to actually implement the plan. You basically can't walk away from your life um, with no plan, with no options, and expect others to just allow you to basically continue on a vacation from life until you, quote unquote, get it together. Because that, if you really want to be a boss or you want to hang around a boss, you got to be about that life because bosses don't need parasites or hype man or hangers on. You gotta be about the work. That's what attracts. Boss people or leaders attract two different type of people. Actually three. They attract haters, people that are pissed off that they are not getting the same results as they you are, even though they think you're they're working just as hard as you. Nine times out of ten, they're not. The second type of person is the parasites. They don't mind giving you a great word, hyping you up, clicking like, but they have no intentions of doing the real work and supporting you. And then there are all the, those people that are impressed by your glow and they work just as hard. They're willing to learn. They're willing to grind with you. Can you only imagine the type of person, boss people that continue on their prosperity? They keep those other people about that life around them. They don't have time for the haters, even though they need to know where they are, definitely don't need time for the parasites. Boss people want other bosses around them. They don't have time for the other two. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. And it can also cramp your creativity. And that's all I got to say about that. So in my zeal um, to create and get content, I've been particularly inspired uh, with the over 40 thread in Reddit. And this week has not, it ceases to not impress. In this section, in this section over 40 and other observations from the edge, there are so many people, because I've seen so many comments on people over the age of 40, and even in my range, how especially men and black men in general are some of the loneliest people on earth. Uh, we got people not even 40 stressing about turning 40 and especially stressing about what that means to their relationships or lack thereof. In this one post or one string, um, this person basically says 40 men are uninterested. And I'm going to go on record just to let y'all know, these apps are not for the faint of heart. 
there is a fast food mentality and a swipe right mentality, not only to shopping, but also to possibly going on a date. So you're going, it's like when you're out here in these streets, is it worth it to go through this nonsense? Because this woman writes, it says hot date three, I've been dating now for about four months on many apps and putting a ton of effort to find a long-term relationship, preferably with man, a man in his 40s. I'm 45-year-old female and I'm having some serious trouble finding any man in this age group. It seems at all, who seems at all interested enough to contact me back or keep writing or ultimately to meet up. In fact, there hasn't been one that I've met in person. All of the interested men are mostly in their 20s and 30s. Is anyone else experiencing this issue and does anyone have an idea why? It's odd to me. Well, the comments are always what makes this section not so sad because it's really can be pithy and they really uh mitigate any snark real snarkiness you can get blocked you can get you know just removed from the updates on the string but in this case there's a lot of things a lot of men that are professional that have had families that are still seeking families are not really interested in dating high-risk women because they want the attention, they want families, and your childbearing years are still behind you. I mean, that's just the reality. Also, you have to be realistic in where you live because if you live in BFE, uh, Middle America, where the biggest employer is a chicken plant, what is the likelihood of you finding quality men well hell i live in gigged out chattanooga ain't i don't i haven't i don't know if they're here either one i'm not looking and two i'm not really interested because as i said i have more to lose and the reality is a disposability of how people look at relationships a lot of people on these in these streets are more interested in what you can do for them instead of vice versa and looking for quality men in this gig economy is not again it's not a, it's not at all impossible but you're going to have to kiss probably several frogs before you get your prince and then when i made the mention of because then you got these guys that are entering in their 40s And I'm not sure if it's a complete red flag because I'm 51 and I've never been married. But these guys are stressing out at 38 because they're not married. And it says he he breaks it down in a. And it's like, people, don't y'all got more stuff to worry about? Is this what's going to keep you from trying to get a situation because you're scared of what the possibilities or what some magazine told you not even this thread really shouldn't deter if that's what you want then you need to get on it but sitting back and waiting for it and worrying about something that's not even happened yet anybody got time for that because that's the turn off he says it really has worried me about my situation. I have this sense of dread that I could, I'm going to be forever alone. And the person I was most recently with was my last shot at happiness. Dude, you're 38. 
you got another good 50 years to live if you drink more water and control your blood pressure. So what are you talking about? And it says, am I crazy? Is this really that hard to date after 40? Please help calm my mind. And it's you stupid dick was hysterical and I'm up. Uh, voting that it says I have the sense of dread that I'm going to be forever alone and the person I was most recent was my last shot at happiness and he responds to that is you have 40 to 55 years ahead of you pretty sure you're going to meet a few people am I crazy yes is it really that hard to date after 40 no basically set your expectations and go after people that with same life experiences and are in alignment about what your future plans are. Hell, get a plan. And if somebody, and if you are working towards your grinding on that plan, that you need to try to attract people, like-minded people. And again, you may have to kiss a couple of frogs to get to the dime, but do what you, but you gotta do the work. Nobody is going to fall in your lap. Um, do the work, do the investigation, ask for clarification before you even get hooked up and mentally and physically tied up with someone. Because if you're an unequal match at that age, it is more difficult to get over and get out of. This past week has been a week of triumphs and craziness. I don't know or I have not had a time where I have completely, completely been, I don't know, dissatisfied with a bunch of things that could and would happen. Um, for example, it's almost 425 kickoff. We still are, it looks like we're still fighting for the wild card berth. The Buffalo Bills did beat the um, New England Patriots. They haven't been the same for a minute, but that's neither here nor there. But after DeMar's uh, untimely and severe injury, um, they seem to have come out with a purpose. But it also has been a week, not only of potential tragedy because DeMar Hamlin is doing well, but the other travesty was four days of utter and complete nonsense. Donkey's donkey. I told this joke and I, and I hope people get it. How many screws does it take to screw in a light bulb? Or how many times does it take a Republican to elect a Speaker of the House? Evidently 15, because it, that's how many times it took them to elect a Speaker of the House. That means four days of wasted time, four days of no work getting done, four days of complete and utter and unmitigated nonsense where people are posting up and going to fisticuffs. Uh, I want to punch. I'm sure most people do want to punch Mark Getz in the mouth, but evidently somebody from his party, they fighting in, uh, in um, the, uh, the Congress. Who does that? And the Democrats is sitting back and looking at them like they're crazy. 
they understood the assignment. I don't understand why they just couldn't get six Republicans could not have just uh, slid over because it was tradition. The better candidate was Hakeem Jeffries, hands down. Kevin McCarthy ain't shit. And his his party knows he ain't. The 20 terrorists, fascist terrorists, can you believe you got seven people, 20 people that were more fascist than that fool? And they decided that they were going to hold out. It's a whole bunch of nonsense. F 15 times. Hasn't happened in 140 years, but in this market of crazy and fascist masquerading as um, uh people that tried to uphold democracy they would rather a power grab ill-equip to hold the positions that they want cause chaos not do any work because in their mind this is how they're going to reset what they think completely convoluted and wrong but this is how they're going to reset the world according to fascism yeah good luck with that I think this next um, session of Congress is going to be uh, full of shenanigans and tomfoolery. And if you are missing a check, if you are wondering where your benefits are, or you really realize all of the freedoms that we have enjoyed for the last hundred years, where the hell did they gone? Thank you for letting this fool be elected in, making concessions to terrorists, even though we say we don't do that. This is what you get when you get tomfoolery. And that's all I got to say about that. The donkey's going to continue the donkey if people with some damn sense don't stop the donkey and then put the mugs out the pasture or turn them in the glue. That's all I got to say. You know I see you. That is Candience, not the rat-a-tat-tat Candience from Potomac, but that is her hit single, I See You, the remix by Anwan Glover and Kevin L. I just started getting into Potomac, uh, Real Housewives of Potomac, as well as the rest of the series. After I watched Real Housewives of Dubai, I was like watching paint dry. And then I started watching Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And then I got into Real Housewives of Potomac. And I've watched all, can you believe it, seven seasons multiple times over the past few weeks. And what I can truly say is what, and I've been saying wig or what over the last episode. But before I get to that, my sister, you know I'm too much into it when my own sister who is church lady who does not watch reality TV. She hit me up because she saw something cross her timeline about Jen Shaw from the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City um, getting indicted on fraud and bank, what is it, bank wire um, and fraud. She duped seniors out of their money. She had a cosmetic line, but evidently that was not as lucrative because she had to rob the grandmamas in them. And then that whole Whitney came up with um, a dark force has left us on the live show after. Girl, bye. I hate her. 
I hate all them were hoes. And I just realized that they're only, what, 12, 13, 14 episodes in. They they shoot or publish like 20, 22. So we got 20. No, nah, I'm not. I'm good. I'm not going to be able to watch them anymore. That Whitney Trash needs to go and take her ex-Mormon butt and get cleansed and deprogram and come up with. Because what you said was racist as AF. Shady AF. You get the shade one of the shady AF awards for the week. But am I gonna watch another 10 episodes? Nah, I'm good. So this per this last week, and I'm re-watching it again. I'm starting from what is episode? This is cleaning showtime because I started off with I see you, but um insecure is the single that um, Candace Bassett, Dillard Bassett dropped and Trina jumped on it. Um, So I'm going to probably watch that again as well as Mike Drop because the whole issue with this season is a fight between um, Wendy, Osefo, and Craterface, Mia. I don't even know Mia's last name. It's not important, but let's get on with it. They now have seems that production for this particular show, uh, Real Housewives of Potomac, has taken a shift. And from that fight where Mia actually attacked Wendy, even though she was mouthing off, but what would went differently if Wendy had posted back up on her because she said she's from Baltimore. She would have beat her ass just like um, Monique Samuels punch, grab her wig and punch Candace in the head on season five. And that's why they left. She left the show, I believe. But anyways, the yellows, green eyes came against her for that. Iced her out which she predicted at the beginning of season five, if y'all go back and then come back. These same hoes, with the exception of Wendy, because she was the attack, go against Wendy because they don't like Wendy because she's more pretty and she's more accredited than they ever will be. But as again, I digress. So now the attacked, one of the attacked are Candace Bassett. Her husband seems to be too nice for the ugly young things, the Muppets. I call them the Muppet Squad, uh, Ashley's friend. Ashley, they have now announced that Ashley is truly divorcing Michael. It was put out there on the blogs. I think she leaked it. Or one of her friend group leaked it, or it could have been Jizzy, Giselle, Brian, that she was trying to play him because she was trying to manipulate him to get in what she want and the lifestyle that she thought she deserved the house he still paid for it as long as she kept her legs open and her mouth shut didn't happen it got leaked i don't know why she thought it wasn't going to be and then the divorce is proceeding after she got her two kids after the prenup term expired. 
she now has moved on from Michael and she is posting on Instagram with her new boo. Great, younger. She got the kids that she want and she got the alimony she want and didn't have to do anything. She was formerly, I don't know, Miss Maryland or Miss DC. All she has to do is stay skinny, stay pretty, stay yellow, and she's Gucci. And she will get what she wants. And, but she's attracting her friends, unlike Nene Leakes, which I noticed in Real Housewife of Atlanta. The people that she's attracting are people from her mom group. Um, the Muppet that basically says, um, Chris Bassett is just too friendly and was too flirty, touched her. How? How can you touch somebody from three feet away? He didn't saddle up to her. You are not his type. You got too much of a unibrow. What are you talking about, girl? That thirst book that they clown Monique Samuels on all those years ago is the same type of receipts that they're going to need to clear all of this crap up from Giselle to the Muppets crew. That is what they're going to need. And then they're doing the same thing with Eddie Asifo. That's Wendy's husband. Why are y'all trying to get all these men off? Because y'all don't have anybody? Are y'all just making up shit just to get airtime? I think so. Because they say he smiles at everybody. He smiles at kids, smiles at old people, smiles at dogs. He just smiled. He said, he and Wendy said something I thought was so profound. Why would I risk everything when I had to give up my entire family to be married to her. I'm not going to be out on in these streets. Y'all are crazy. It is so incredibly crazy that these people are making up these narratives and are willing to lie when we don't have the video evidence and nothing absolutely happened. And it's just so, and it's just tacky and so mean, especially to somebody that's never been nice and respectful to all of them. That Michael Ashley husband BS, maybe this is her way of getting back because the only other white dude on the show is not as trifling as her husband. So that's why she has to make everybody as pathologic as her own. And I find that ridiculous. We're going to need a thirst book. We're going to need the video receipts because this is to debunk the BS that your Muppet crew has. And actually, you are not even a bone collector or just messy. You're just sad because you're trying to be vindictive because your happily ever after had to be where you get dragged and you're not going to get, it's not easily moved on and you can't manipulate that old dude for your own benefit. Sorry. And your kids are right in the middle of that. Also, I'm, and as I said, from Salt Lake, we're only like, what, what is this? 12 episodes in, they dropped 22 episodes. So I got 10 more episodes of nonsense um, to look. Nobody publishes this stuff early. It doesn't drop until Monday. So I'll be rolling my eyes and watching episode 13 um, tomorrow. Also, has anyone, I think people are talking about Karen Huger's delusions. LaDom's not a thing, girl. Okay, you were a housewife for 20 years. Your husband lost his money. Then you got on this show. You became the face 
what she reminds me of is Eartha Kitt was the face of her cosmetic company on Eddie Murphy's movie. And then she went after younger men, but she adamantly says that she's in love with Ray because that's the persona that she has to continue. But this hoe is delusional. At least, even though their podcast is trash, Jizzy and Juan's roommate have a podcast, and that is the essence of live shows. What Karen has did is a variety show on the level, and she's not even that talented. She can't sing. She really can't dance. She doesn't do an interview. She don't have a podcast. It's not like the dungeon that Candace Burris actually made popular and was popping off. Like everything, her and her um, husband touch. Todd touch. And Mia, she ain't a boss, evidently. Because the that uh, chiropractic business is a family business. And while she was out of town, her peeps locked her out of the corporate accounts. Uh, financial malfeasance, that'll get you 10 to 20. And it also gets you locked and probably kicked off the show. Because that's maybe why she was safe, shaking the show, etc. And the levels, the basic levels of shadiness of Juan's roommate and those Muppet Street characters are just next level and are just sad. And also, they showed an episode where Karen is now looking younger than she did when the show first started. Fillers, skin peels, boob lifts, wigs, all of those things can set the clock back, but it doesn't detract the fact that you are still 59. And I don't know. I think Ray looks more pensive now and why he was going through this stuff. I think there's a lot of stuff that they did not shoot because she definitely, Ray is like 78 years old. Karen just turned 59. She looks younger, but if she continues with her delusions, she's supposed to worth 10 million, but is that just her money or is that a combination of her and Ray's money? Because even with the episodes that she has been in, the money that she gets from Bravo, maybe she it's made up, the difference is made up if she's paid her taxes, is made up between her promos, etc. I can't see her now being worth 10 million from the time unless she was squirreling money away while she while uh, Ray was paying for everything. The likelihood of all of that is off the set to me. And, and I say all of these things is because I've noticed as I watch Real Housewives of Atlanta and this show, and also because Karen and Sharice are going to have it out, they're getting ready to have a, shake, a, a table shaking event that a lot of these extra characters are bought on by other cast members. Um, Nene Leakes was great for it. She bought on several different cast members. Um, and then declaring herself as the Dom or the Queen of Potomac has not only given Karen a storyline because she steals other people's jobs and try to make her own and it becomes a storyline. Thus, the mic drop just and also the expansion of her LaDom 
from perfumes to candles to other home essentials. Those are the things that she do. I mean, I don't, I, I can't, uh, you know, um, beat her or uh, shade her hustle, but she's a quick study. Y'all need to watch your back. And this toss up or flare up between her and Sharice is just another iteration of creating screen time because I know they're going to be talking about this until the reunion. I want to hear more music. I want to see more of Candy and Centrina. I want to see more of Wendy on MSNBC and CNN doing the positive thing instead of these little shady little dust-ups between the yellows and the knots. I'm just saying, y'all. And that's it for this episode of Tenfro is Reading. You know, I talked cash-ish all last year. I hope the listening audience will continue to enjoy my opinion and not so subtle shade. I mean, I'm 2,000 listeners per episode in, so go run tell that haters. I may take it on the road if I get hint hint sponsorship. Navigate to dalesangelsinc.blog for swag and extended podcast notes. Don't forget to hit like or leave a five-star review. It gets me on top of the algorithms and it may just get you on my show. 2023's motto is boss up and get the bag. And as always, tell a friend and thank you for listening.